Welcome to this day two cloud tech bite. Our guest today is Chris Eckert, technical solutions architect with Riverbed. What are we going to talk about today? This is about proactive monitoring, which when you think of Riverbed may not be the first thing that comes to your mind. Monitoring, proactive monitoring. Well, yeah, that's what we're going to get into in this conversation with Chris. So Chris, welcome to day two cloud to this tech bite portion of our show. We've got to jump right into this, man. Network monitoring and, and proactive network monitoring. Proactive as opposed to reactive, I guess? Sure. That's the big differentiator. Everyone starts with being reactive and troubleshooting things and, and then eventually try to get to being notified before things cause a problem. What am I actually trying to achieve here with this proactive monitoring? Wherever possible. You want to see a building trend before it becomes a problem and slows your clients down. So utilization growing on a link, catch that when it's getting up to 80% and add bandwidth, now it doesn't get to 100% and people don't get tossed out of their computers. Now, tuning those thresholds, because in some cases, 90% utilization on a link, that might be okay. You might be fine with that. But other links, you know, if they get above 40 or 50, uh oh, need to pump the brakes or add more capacity. So how does one tune the thresholds to be proactive with their monitoring? Yeah, so it, it's worse than that, because Tuesday afternoons, it may be normal for it to be 60%, but... Tuesday night when backups kick in, it might be normal to be at 90%. So you have to set at some point a number in the beginning and eventually get to where you can build an adaptive threshold. So now you're starting to use a learning technology to figure out what is okay for Tuesday morning versus Tuesday night, and then start building those thresholds from that instead. Right, right. It's That does seem rather complicated to do manually to sort of say, you have this prescriptive, I'm going to tune it for every possible situation over a 30-day period. So are there techniques that'll dial that in for you, and then you can just kind of approve it if it looks good to you? Our systems right now build trends based on observation. After a month of watching a circuit, we start to understand, okay, Tuesday nights are busy. And so in addition to that sort of baseline number that you could have put in there, now we start building a rolling baseline that follows what usually happens. And then we can go in and say, okay, any deviation of X percentage from this rolling baseline is what we identify as a problem. So- Chris, I want to understand where I should be monitoring. So, okay, we've got monitoring that's proactive. We can profile traffic. We can kind of figure out what's normal, what's not normal, and even correlate that with time and patterns. All right, where do I plug in to get that information from the network? Because I could say, oh, plug into the core, you know, 40 gig, 100 gig links, and then just bury every bit of storage I have. So what's your advice here? Most companies start around the core or in front of their server layer and their internet layer or something like that. And then all of a sudden virtualization kicks in and now you have whole groupings of computers you have to get in front of and it kind of throws that whole idea of around the core out the window. Then of course the cloud comes and now you have to start watching your link to the cloud. There are a couple of parameters that you're after and they're different depending on where you are. So devices matter. You can't monitor for application performance impacts to your clients without taking into account things like devices. So if a router starts having errors on an interface, that's important. You can monitor all of the devices. 
NetFlow is a wonderful, wonderful tool. You can listen to everything, everywhere, every single conversation. And that gives you some of that information. You get, you know, not just the IPs and, and the ports that are in use, but you start to see how many conversations are crossing links and maybe even identifying that with utilization from interfaces on some of those devices. All that's easy. Uh, there's no NetFlow in the cloud as such, not natively, but there are flow logs that can be ingested and used as NetFlow. So you start to listen to every conversation everywhere. The final piece of it, the thing you really want to get in front of is those most important applications, the ones that cost you money, the ones that when they go down, you have to know ahead of time. You want to get in front of those. So you know, in front of a load balancer that's serving up a web farm and listening for response time issues in front of the database farm. And hopefully, you know, by this point, people have micro segmented their network at least to get data behind some protection. So you get in front of that data, you get in front of the web services and listen for response times, add that to these conversations everywhere that are saying, well, this link is starting to flood and this device is going sideways. And it's, it's surprisingly easy to get in front of everything with technologies like flows and even monitoring your devices. Picking the applications to monitor is a little trickier. Uh, yeah, I, I got to ask you about everything in just a second here, but there's something else I want to qualify first. Now, you've mentioned things like like flow records, right? Uh, so that would be we're pinging some device that's seeing traffic transited and flow records are generated and you get a kind of a summary of the traffic going through. Um, you could do something like uh, taps where you're or a span port where you're pulling basically a copy of everything going through a network link. Is that something that you would consider as well, full on packet captures? Sure. And and that that gets into some other topics as well. So especially where you want to get in front of those really important applications, you can go back to the reactive way of doing it and run spans on your switches. And, and you're heating up the processor on the switches in some cases, but for reactive, that's fine. If you're going to listen... 24 and 7, all the time, every packet to your important applications, you would generally tap on those links and then feed that data, that tap data, either directly to a tool or in this day and age, more likely to a packet aggregator. And tools like our packet capture tool at Response can produce an enhanced form of flow to send to that, you know, every packet that moved everywhere world, those packet aggregators in a lot of cases can also start creating flow records so that you can use that tap data both for packet capture and monitoring and, and report building, but also for your NetFlow side of looking at that world. Right. That is a, a network device that doesn't support NetFlow natively. Um, you don't have to rely on that device doing that. You can have a device like what you're talking about. You're saying like a, like a riverbed appliance that would be able to do that for me. It sees the traffic and then builds flow records out of what it's seeing. You know, the first really disruptive technology to that was was virtualization. And, and you know, oh, my God, now we can't see inside of the the virtual infrastructure. And of course you can, now you can get your packets from inside of the virtual infrastructure. In most cases, you can get flow directly from that infrastructure as well. And then the, the next you know thing that turned the packet capture world on its ear was going to the cloud. You can get packets directly from the cloud and, and it gets a little trickier. You know, you, you pay for 
sending data out of the cloud in a lot of cases. So if you want to capture packets in the cloud and send them to something in your data center, that's money. So in a lot of cases, you would take packets and span them from a link into a virtual machine in your same cloud instance where you ingest those packets and maybe turn it into flow if you need to send it out. But you can get packets everywhere. Well, okay, so let's go back to this everywhere idea, because when we were asking where to do monitoring, you kind of said, like, everywhere, which isn't practical, obviously, I can't, everywhere, everywhere would be a little crazy. So so what do we mean by that? Flow, it, it's easy to get that, that simplistic flow data of every packet everywhere. You know, you just have the routers send it to you. Packets, that's, that's a much bigger bite to take. And so what you generally want to do is, is get the flow everywhere, get, you know, net flow, or, or if you, if you have to use sampled flow, use S flow or whatever technology and put all of your data center in. So everything that moves, you see everything that goes out to the internet, you see everything that comes in from foreign offices or whatever you see, and then enhance that by adding to it, your packet data. You, you can't packet capture everything. You're boiling the ocean to do that, and it just doesn't work. So you pick the things where just seeing conversations traversing the network isn't enough. And when you need to see what database errors were reported when something failed or or how much response time occurred when somebody sent a web request to a web front end, that's where you do packets. Everywhere else that is of consequence, so data center, internet links, you do flow. Got it. it it's a multi-pronged attack because, um, because right, you can't pull in packets everywhere just for because it is too difficult, impractical. So, so flow records fill in the gap as much flow records as you can get at key parts of the network, and then packets in those absolutely crucial ones. And that that mirrors my experience, Chris. What I've done, so that makes good sense to me. Yeah, and and the flow brings you some other things, you know, in the case of Riverbed, when you can see every flow everywhere, you can start to pick out things like, okay, this application, so this URL actually goes to this for authentication and to this for a mid-tier and to this for data. And you start building out a map of that application. And so, you know, you pick your, your application that costs you money when it goes down. You build this map out and then you start monitoring that for change as well. So you're not just looking now for what happens when response time goes up on this device. Now you're saying, tell me if this device starts talking to somebody I don't want it to. So a web server all of a sudden starts querying all of your databases. Okay, you need to know about that right then and there. So with that every packet everywhere sort of flow mentality, you can start to build out the things that are the way you see the world, the application that concerns you, the functional teams that concern you, and then monitor them for things that aren't necessarily performance related, but indicate other problems, a denial of service attack, some worm propagating through the network. Now you know when something's going wrong in every way. Right. And there, there's no system out there that's going to be able to pick out the most important applications to you. That's that's something that your team is going to have to sit down and understand. These are the applications that actually make you money or the supporting applications that help that application make money and then map that onto whatever monitoring solution you put in place. Right. Yeah. What we generally find is 
So we have wizards that will help you build out those applications. And the network engineers know the ones that people call at night and say, get on the phone right now. This application is down. <laughs> they know those applications. They know what they are, even if they don't know who talks to who in those applications. So they have a good idea of, of what the problematic or the costly applications are just because it's kept them awake at night. One thing that seems like it might be more difficult to monitor, and you mentioned cloud a few times, but not just cloud, but some of the cloud native stuff that's running out there, especially anything in containers and Kubernetes. So how would you go about monitoring a cloud native application as opposed to a traditional one? First of all, whatever application is transmitting data, we can get in front of. We like to watch from that data. We don't want to watch from the system transmitting it because we don't want to cause problems with it. And we don't know what happened externally of it. So all of the monitoring technologies, wherever you can get spans, including using packet brokers to get in front of a Docker app or something like that, pull those packets and monitor external of the container. SaaS applications, that becomes real tricky. We can accelerate a lot of those applications because we have components sitting in those networks that serve that up. So we have options for improving the performance and getting some visibility into what's going on there as well. A little bit, of, you know, there's some secret sauce in there. Call up your, your local rep and we'll come talk about it. <laughs> but there, there are some options. Gotcha. Fair enough. All right, Chris, uh, thank you for joining us on uh, Day 2 Cloud for this Tech Byte segment. And if you're listening and you want to know more about what's going on in the world of Riverbed monitoring and proactive monitoring, yeah, riverbed.com slash day, the number two cloud, riverbed.com slash day two cloud there, aggregating the things that we record here and giving you links so you can easily discover more. And hey, there's a user conference that Riverbed is putting on happening on November 17th. So you can sign up for that. And that wraps up today's Tech Byte, and we will see you in the next one. Everybody's going to be back for a few more Tech Bytes in upcoming episodes.